Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for You know, when I signed on a contract on my house, I agreed to a certain price. I agreed to a certain interest rate. So imagine if the mortgage company come up to me and said afterwards, okay, hey, we added another $100,000 to your bill, plus we doubled your interest rate. So here's your new bill, and now you have to pay it. Well, I mean, I would say you can't do that. And so the first thing I would do is I would show them the original contract where we signed it, where we closed and established it all. But what if the mortgage company said, hey, too bad, we added to the contract and you're now going to pay extra anyway. If that had happened to you, what would be your recourse then? You would take them to court. You would hold them to the law because they can't do that. You hold them to the law. Well, somebody came to the Galatian church and they told them they had to add works to the plan of salvation. In order to be saved, you had to start performing all this extra work now. And Paul said, no, that covenant is finalized in faith. That's a finalized covenant deal. So what's Paul going to do? He's going to take them to the law. Galatians 3 and 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Okay. He said, who bewitched you? That's not just a TV show from the 60s. He said, who threw a curse on you to get you to believe that salvation now happens through works? You've already been taught that it's based on Jesus crucified. So who bewitched you? Who threw a curse on you to get you to believe there was more to it than that? So Paul asked them, to remember back to the moment when they were saved. He asked them, did that happen by faith, or did that happen by when you did works of the Mosaic law? So we have to remember that the Galatians were Gentiles. They were not Jews. This means they were not accustomed to following the Mosaic law like the Jews had always done. All the Galatians knew was the gospel of Jesus, and they got saved by that. But then later some Jewish legalists showed up, and they had a twisted version of the law, and they manipulated these Gentile Galatians into thinking that they had to earn salvation. Okay, Jesus started it, but no, now you've got to earn it by keeping it, by doing all this work. You have to perfectly obey the law now to keep your salvation. It doesn't work that way. They manipulated these Gentiles. Now, remember, Paul had asked Peter back in chapter 2, he asked him, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? They're not Jews. They're not going to do like that. You're trying to get them to follow the law. That's not right. So you can see how some legalistic Jews 
had told the Gentile Galatians that they now had to earn their way to heaven. And when you say that you have to earn your way to heaven, friends, that is a denial of Jesus' finished work on the cross because Jesus paid it all at his crucifixion. Galatians 3, verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Okay, the Galatians thought that the Spirit of God gave them a nudge, kind of like when you help a kid ride a bike. Okay, you're doing it now. Now you pedal from here, you know. They thought that the Spirit nudged them into salvation, but then the work of their own body, the works that they performed, somehow took over to complete the rest of salvation. He goes, no. What you start with is what you finish with. The Holy Spirit started it. Who finished it? Uh, Let's say I wanted to fly to Dallas, and let's say I take off on a jet. I'm not going to arrive at Dallas in a submarine. Whatever you start with is what you're going to finish with. Paul said, you began by the Spirit. You do not finish by a different means. If If he started it in the Spirit of God, he finishes it in the Spirit of God. What the Spirit starts, he finishes. You don't get saved by faith, but then somehow you arrive to perfection by switching to performing in works of the flesh. Galatians 3 verse 4, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Okay, back when Paul and Barnabas had first preached the gospel to these Galatians, they warned them up front that as new believers, persecution is going to come. So Paul had asked them to remember back, did you suffer in vain? Paul knew they had experienced persecution. Did you go through all that trial for nothing? Paul wanted them to observe the process here, that their conversion was kicked on by faith, and then persecution followed just exactly as Paul said it would. He's trying to get them to see that the gospel of grace is the true message so that their own experiences that they themselves had gone through would confirm that Paul was telling them the truth. Man, Paul said persecution was going to come. You know, Paul's right. I I wouldn't do any works when I got saved. It had to been the Spirit that started that. He's getting them to remember back so they could consider, hey, the gospel message of grace is the real one, not of works. Galatians 3, verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? There he asked it again. So Paul asked, are the miracles that you've been experiencing, are they based on anything that you did? I mean, did you do that work yourself? I mean, if I was a Gentile Galatian listening to this, I probably would have thought back to when the Red Sea parted. And I would have to think, you know, did Moses part that water? No. Well, by now, a Galatian would probably think, you know, miracles aren't something that we can do or else they wouldn't be called miracles. So that has to be by faith. Paul really has something here. And so now the reason why Paul asked this question, which was it? Was it by faith or something you did? The reason he asked that is because the Galatians had seen miracles firsthand. They saw this stuff happen as recorded in Acts 14 verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace. 
granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So what we have here, some unbelieving Jews had tried to manipulate these poor Gentiles into performing works to earn their salvation. The Jew says, no, you got to do like we do. We're working for our salvation. You got to do like us. But the believers saw this going down, and they jumped in to defend the Galatians from this bad doctrine. And it says that even God himself, he got in the middle of it too, by working miracles through all the preachers that spoke the word of his what? His grace. Now, again, I'm trying to put you in the Gentile shoes here. If I were a Gentile seeing all these miracles going down, I'd say, hey, look, the law boys got nothing. The guys that say you got to earn by works, they don't seem to have any anything here. But these grace guys, they're cranking out some serious power. So I'm convinced that this has to be by faith, not works. If I was there watching that, that's what I'd be thinking. So Paul asked them to remember what they saw. He asked them, do miracles come by works of the law or by hearing of the faith? Paul went on to explain in Galatians 3, verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay, so in Galatians 3, verse 6, what Paul did was he quoted back in time, he quoted Genesis 15, 6 right here to show them that Abraham gained salvation through faith, not by following the law. He said the great father Abraham, he got righteousness because he believed. And they should have known this passage from Genesis. This is how you're saved. It's by faith, not by what you do. Friends, we are justified. That's what Paul's trying to teach us here. We are justified. That means you are declared righteous by God. You get that justification through faith. You get it by faith alone. Galatians 3 verse 7. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Okay, there's a lot of Jews that thought, well, we're the real sons of Abraham because we're Jews. Salvation's for us because we are sons of Abraham. Paul just said anybody that is of faith, they are sons of Abraham. That could even be, mean a Gentile, too. This was very frictional discussion right here. But, I mean, look what we just read, though. The Old Testament scripture, it says it preached the gospel to Abraham. Now, I've bumped into people that say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm a New Testament Christian. Well, it says that the gospel was preached to Abraham well before the gospels ever kicked on before Jesus ever walked the earth. So if you're just a New Testament Christian, uh, you're missing out on most of God's word. You need to read the Old Testament too. And consider that this message of Galatians, the guy who wrote it, is a Jew. He's the one saying this. He's saying, guys, the gospel is going to also save Gentiles. <laughs> Friends, as a Gentile, I am so glad that God did not just offer salvation to Jews only. He offered it to all of us. Jew and Gentile alike. And so when Paul spoke of all the nations being blessed, he quoted Genesis 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
So, friends, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through the nation of Israel. But how? How are we all going to be blessed through Israel? By making Gentiles follow the law like the unbelieving Jews did? No. That's the whole problem that Paul was trying to address. It's not about some legalists coming here and saying, you got to follow the law like we did. How are we all going to be blessed? Israel is going to bless all the families of the earth because it was through Israel where the Messiah came. The Messiah was sent through Israel. Jesus came through Israel to make the way of salvation for all of us. Messiah Jesus even told the Gentile woman at the well, he said this in John 4.22, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Okay, now Jesus did not say that salvation is for the Jews. He said salvation is of the Jews. It means that salvation comes from Israel to bless everybody, all the families of the earth, just like God had promised to Abraham. While I'm here, did you know that Jesus is a Jew? You know, you cannot call yourself a Christian and think you're in by any remote means as being saved. You can't call yourself a Christian and hate the Jews. It's like a Texan saying, I'm a Texan, but I hate big tires. It doesn't work like that. It's like a Texan that says, please cut the fat off my steak. Those are words that just don't make sense. So you cannot call yourself a Christian and hate the Jews. It just doesn't add up. You have to love the Jewish people because your salvation comes through them from that promise that was given to Abraham that through you, through the nation of Israel, through Abraham's offspring of the Jewish people, salvation would come to all. Galatians 3 verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Friends, the gospel message works for you the same way it did for Abraham. You believe and you're credited with righteousness. You're not saved by trying to be good enough. It's like all of us going into an NFL Superdome somewhere and we all standing on the football field and you know the the roof is way up over your head and okay, let's all jump and let's try to touch the roof, okay? <laughs> Some of us are going to jump higher than others, but there's not a one of us, not any of us is going to touch that ceiling up there. It's just way too high. You can't jump high enough to be saved. Yeah, maybe some of us can jump higher than others, but you can't, you just can't do it. It's impossible. You can't save yourself by being good enough. There's no way to be good enough because nobody is good enough. That's why we need a savior. That's why Jesus had to come to pay our way because we, we ruined it. We sinned. And Paul said, those who are of faith are blessed. Friends, salvation is by faith alone. You can't get saved by being good enough. So it doesn't mean you should stop being good. You can't get saved by it. It's by faith alone. Galatians 3.10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Okay, it's like I was saying, it's like Paul was saying, the law cannot declare you righteous. So even Paul quoted what the law says about itself. He just quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 27, 
where he said, cursed is anyone who does not fulfill the words of this law. In other words, you can't possibly fulfill what the law demands. So then at that point, all the law can really do is curse us. You can't fulfill it, so it has to curse us because we violated it. It now has to condemn us. So the Galatians had it backwards, as well as the Jews that tried to bully them into this works-based salvation here. They were thinking that the law could save them if you, if you do it good enough. But Paul said, no, it's actually the opposite. It's the other way around. The law curses us because we all violated it. The law can't save you. It's like if somebody committed murder and they were brought to the judge. They have now broken the law. The guilty can't stand before the judge and say, you know, well, wait a minute, judge. From now on, I'm going to be really, really, really super good. It doesn't matter how good they try to be when they're already guilty. See, you've already messed up. Trying to be really good doesn't fix anything. You broke the law because now you got to pay for it. Now, after the law has been broken, the judge now has to use the law to condemn the murderer for their violation of the law. They broke the law. Now the law has to now condemn them. So at this point, the law can't save them because it has to condemn the guilty. And so again, Paul used an Old Testament scripture. He quoted Habakkuk 2 verse 4 when he said, the just shall live by faith. It does not say the just shall live by the law. They shall live by faith. If you want to be justified, pronounced righteous, the just shall live by, not works, by faith. And as Paul said in verse 12, he said the law is not of faith, which means that faith and law are totally separate things. They are two different things. They're not the same. So here comes a question. If the law can't save, then what will? Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Redeem means to buy us back again. Some of y'all might remember in the 70s and 80s, you, all the Cokes and Sprites and everything came in glass bottles. You had to take them back to the store to the redemption booth. It said redeem on the bottle. It said redeem for refund or something. And you would take the bottles back, give it back to the grocery store, and they would pay you a little bit of money for taking the bottle back again. So Christ has redeemed us. It means he bought us back. We were gone, but now he bought us back. The grocery store lost the bottles because we took them home to drink it, right? We drank the Coke at our meals, but then you take the bottles back and they redeem it. You were gone, but now you're back and they pay for you to bring it back. Friends and sin, we were gone. We violated the law. We were way out there, gone, lost as anything. But Jesus bought us to bring us back again. Christ has redeemed us. And friends, the law gives us no hope, but there is hope in Jesus because the the law condemns. That's all it can do. But Jesus, there is hope because he's redeemed us back. He bought us back again from the curse of the law, which the curse of the law in its ultimate finality is the curse of the lake of fire. So friends, I want you to understand that Jesus paid an astronomically high price to pay for all the damage that you and I both caused with our sin. Jesus saves the law has to curse. 
Jesus saves, the law condemns. The law can't save you. Now, I've had some legalistic people try to argue with me that the law actually can save if you do it right. (laughs) Okay. Oh, if you do it right. Okay, let me ask you a question, friends, okay? If you light a stick of dynamite in your house, what's going to happen to your house? It's going to blow it up. It's going to destroy the whole thing. How foolish is it for somebody to say, well, you know, dynamite can actually renovate and improve your home if you do it right, if you use it right. No, it can't. Dynamite won't do anything but blow it up. All that dynamite can do is condemn your house. Friends, the law cannot save. All it can do is condemn. Galatians 3 verse 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. So Paul said he spoke in the manner of men here, which is going to mean that he took something that men already understood to make a point with it, okay? Men already knew that whenever you make a business deal, once it is confirmed, once everybody signs their signatures to confirm it, then nobody can come along later and try to manipulate that agreement or add new terms to it. You can't add new cost to it. It's like I said in my opening story. After you close on a house and sign on it, the mortgage company can't come up later and raise the price and jack up the interest rate and then threaten you that if you don't pay, then we will invalidate the agreement and we're going to take your house away from you. They can't do that. Paul was trying to say, that the covenant of salvation has been established. It has been authored. It has been signed on. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The salvation package is done. It has been set. So Paul was saying, if you already understand how business deals are done, you understand that when you sign on it, it's agreed on, it is confirmed, it's set. Why do you suddenly think that you can now add new terms to the salvation covenant by adding works to it. You can't do that. It's already been confirmed. It's already been set. So he said, you already understand that in a business deal, no one annuls it, which means nobody can say it's cut off now. The mortgage company can't steal your house away from you after redoing the terms. Paul says it's the same thing with the gospel message. Jesus died. He paid it all. It is finished. Nobody can add or take away from that. It's a sealed deal. It's done. Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Okay, so the works-based people, they would have said, since the promise of salvation was made to Abraham so long ago, way early in history, That means the law had to come later to update the terms. See, people were saying, oh, Abraham's day, that's so long ago. That's so irrelevant. We need the law now to patch things up. It's kind of like your computer. It gets old and it starts to bog down. Things start to become wrong with it. Well, it has to download updates to keep itself running right. So they believed, the legalists, they believed that God had to update his salvation plan by bringing updates in, bringing the law in, because they thought God could not hold a promise that long. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.